0: this morning and turn to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, good to see all of you here today. Our guests, our visitors, our members, good to those of you that are joining us on the live stream. We welcome you today as well. Glad that you're with us. And let's seek to please the Lord through uh, His Word today. And today, obviously, is 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 uh, what many and... Even us today would celebrate as Easter uh, Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. And I believe that that the Word of God teaches and we worship on Sunday uh, because every Sunday is Resurrection Sunday. Amen? And it's the first day of the week and we honor the Lord each and every one of those. But there's time that's set aside each year on this day and many will uh, celebrate it in different forms, I suppose, uh, but but there is no um, w- more or, or uh, better way to honor the Lord than to speak of Him and to speak through His Word and to even consider uh, the passages in the Scripture that refer to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to take a little bit of a different spin from it, though. And this morning I'm going to preach on the ministry of the resurrection. And it's going to be applied more to and mostly to believers in Jesus Christ and how the ministry of Christ's resurrection can minister to us and encourage us even today. It's still very relevant. Amen. And so let's take a a look at the Scriptures. Mark chapter 16, verse 9 and following. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom He had cast seven devils. And she went and told them, that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart as they believed not them which had seen Him after He was risen. These are our text verses this morning. We're going to be traveling back and forth through the other Gospels as well uh, to get an overall picture of the day that Jesus rose from the grave. And, and by the way, I believe He's alive today. Amen? Amen. And the Bible says that it is, it is imperative that one believe that jesus is risen from the grave in order to be saved the bible says if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the lord jesus and believe in thine heart that god hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved you can't be saved if you don't believe that jesus christ is alive today i remember dealing with a man years and years ago who seemed to be under conviction of a sin he said he wanted to be saved and he had come forward in a, in a church invitation after the preaching was done. And I took him aside and dealt with him in my office. And just speaking with him and talking to him, it seemed like he was, he was close to being saved. And we got to uh, this part in <clears throat> dealing with him and where, where the Bible says, if you believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead... Thou shalt be saved. And I said, Do you believe that Jesus rose from the grave? And he's like, Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a second, stop. And I I asked him, I said, What? And he said, I don't I don't believe, I don't believe that that he rose from the dead. And I looked at him and I said, Friend, then you can't possibly be saved. The Bible says you have to believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead and you can be saved. That is a key element in salvation. I believe Jesus is alive today. I believe He's in heaven today, seated at the right hand of God. Amen. That His work is finished and that redemption is complete and all we need to do is repent of our sin and put our faith in the finished work of Christ and we can be saved. Amen. That's a side note, not really part of the message. But our text verses tell us and give us some information regarding the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And verse 9 says, Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom He had cast seven devils. You skip down to verse 12. It says, After that He appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went in the country. Skip to verse 14. Afterward He appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and so on. And what we find just right away in this text verses is that the day that Jesus rose from the grave, there was a flurry of activity going on. You notice there in these three instances, he appears to Mary. After that, he appears uh, to two as they walked by the way. After that, he appeared to the 11. And it tells us that there was a lot of activity going on when Jesus rose from the grave, from the early morning. To the evening, Jesus was actively involved in ministering to his followers. He wanted them to know that he was alive. He wanted them to know that the resurrection was a reality. Jesus had told his disciples several times before that the Son of Man would be killed, that he would rise again the third day, and Jesus wanted them to believe that this was all true. After Jesus rose from the grave, one of the things that Jesus did was use his time to minister to those that he cared about most. And he took the time to minister to them the same ones that he would task with ministering to others. And so he spent the day building faith in their hearts, in the the lives of those that mattered to him, the most and he encouraged them especially for what he was about to command them to do and they could never go and do what he commanded them to do if they did not have full confidence in their own heart first And so I want us to look in on the events of this day and I want us to see that the resurrection of Christ had a threefold ministry that day. We're going to see a ministry of consolation. We're going to see a ministry of confirmation. And then thirdly, a ministry of confrontation. These various ministries were designed to build faith in those who follow Jesus. And the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead still performs those same ministries even today. And so I want to preach on the ministry of the resurrection. I want us to see that it still has meaning for us today, and let the resurrection minister to your heart. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us today with your word, and or that you give me of your spirit today, that you control my thoughts and my tongue, or as I seek to exalt Jesus Christ, and I pray that he would be the only one that is visible today. And may your word go forth as you've intended it to accomplish its purpose in every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing I want you to to look at with me is the ministry of consolation. Again, notice verse 9 down through verse 11. Now, when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom He had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with Him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that He was alive and had been seen of her, believed not." Here, first of all, we see the ministry of consolation. Now, if we're going to get a full understanding of the events of the the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we need to look at all the other accounts uh, of the gospel writers as well. And each writer gives us a little bit different details of what happened that morning. Now, none of them contradict one another, They simply supply us with some different details about the events of that morning. And so I want to take a moment to look at these and understand the sequence of events that occurred the day that Jesus rose from the grave. Go with me to Matthew. Hold your place here in Mark 14 and just look back to Matthew chapter 28. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 1... The Bible says in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. Now, if we were to... to look a little further, we would find that as the women were coming to the tomb that morning, they were coming to anoint his body with spices. And and they had this worry in their mind and in their thought, like, who's going to roll the stone away? It's too big. It's too heavy for us. How are we going to get access to the Lord's body? And the Bible tells us that an angel rolls away the stone from the tomb so that when the ladies come, the tomb is empty and they can look inside, and they can see that He is not here. He's alive. He's risen. And the angel says, I know who you're looking for. You're looking for Jesus, but He's not here. He's alive. Go to verse 4 of Matthew 28. We find as well that the Bible tells us that the Roman guards who had been put in place to guard the tomb had panicked, and they had fled. In verse 4, the Bible says, And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. They passed out and they fled. Now, go over back to Mark chapter 16, because the Bible tells us here that the women arrive at the tomb and they find it open and they find it empty. In Mark 16 and verse 4, And when they looked... They saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Look, look, see for yourself that he's not here. Now go to Luke chapter 24. In Luke chapter 24, the Bible tells us that it was two angels that appear to the women inside the tomb. And they say the same thing, Luke 24 and verse 4. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments, And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again? And they remembered his words. Now, go to verse 9, because it tells us a little bit more that after this, the women go to tell the disciples who didn't believe their report in Luke 24 and verse 9, "...and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and other women that were with them which told these things unto the apostles." And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. That phrase, idle tales, it means something incredible. It means nonsense. And so they thought that these women were were speaking nonsense. Now look down to verse 12 of Luke, because the Bible tells us that Peter and John run to the tomb and find it empty But then return home. In in verse 12, Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher. And stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was come to pass. So Jesus had told them prior that he would be crucified, that he would die, that he would raise from the dead. He had told them that already none of them truly believed what Jesus had said. And here we find, as we read these accounts, that Peter himself, he was wondering in himself at the things that had come to pass. When the ladies had seen that the tomb was empty and saw the angels, they told everybody else, and they believed them not. Now, go back to Mark chapter 16. Because the Bible tells us that Mary Magdalene, after she had gone to tell other disciples of what had taken place, she comes back to the tomb and she remains there alone. And the Bible tells us in John chapter 20, in fact, just keep your place in Mark and flip over to John 20 very quickly. And you'll see here in John 20 and verse 11, that she remains there alone crying when she sees an angel, and then she sees the Lord Himself in John 20 and verse 11. The Bible says, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbani, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken. These things unto her. Now, that brings us to our text, and I want you to turn back to Mark chapter 16, and I want you to notice verse 9 again. And again, we're talking about a ministry of 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 consolation here. If you look in Mark 16 and verse 9, now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first. To Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. So, as we come to this verse, I want you to notice that the Bible says that he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. The word first refers to that which is first in place or first in rank or honor. And the question that comes to my mind here is of all the people that Jesus could have revealed himself to that morning, he chose to reveal himself first to Mary. Why do you think he did that? Why do you think Jesus chose Mary to be the first one to see him risen from the grave? And I want to suggest a couple of reasons to you, if I may. First of all, Mark reminds us of what kind of woman Mary was when she met Jesus. Do you notice in verse 9 that, it, that there's this little tag at the end of verse 9 that says Mary Magdalene was the one out of whom he had cast seven devils? It tells us and shows us what kind of a woman Mary was when she met Jesus. He tells us here that Jesus cast seven devils out of Mary when he met her. She was a demon-possessed woman. She was probably uh, uh, one who had lived a life full of vices, but as a demon-possessed woman, we find that she was trapped in the worst kind of bondage. She was a prisoner to Satan. She was the devil's grip. She probably lived a wicked life herself, giving herself over to every kind of sin and every kind of vice imaginable. That's who she was when she met Jesus. And then one day, Jesus comes along. And Jesus is entered into her life, and Jesus makes a total life change. He spoke to her, and he set her free from her bondage. He changed her life completely. And from that moment on, she followed him and was devoted to him because she loved him. She loved him for all that he had done in her life. She had been delivered from the bondage of her sins, and she loved Him for that. She was devoted to Him for that. Her love for Jesus manifests itself in absolute devotion to the Lord. It is why she was the first one there. Her master, the one who had set her free from her sin, he was dead, he was gone, she was mourning, she was weeping, just like the rest of them. And she should have been believing believing that he wouldn't be there, believing that he was risen from the dead, and yet she was still mourning over him. But why was she in such agony over the death of Jesus Christ? Because she loved him so much. She loved Jesus and honored him. And Jesus honored her love for him by allowing her to be the first one to see him risen from the dead. Let me make this application because... It's relevant today. Those who've been forgiven the most in their life also seem to love him the most in return. Go to Luke chapter seven. and I want you to note in Luke chapter 7 and verse 36. The Bible says Luke 7 and verse 36. and one of the Pharisees, I'll wait for you to get there. go ahead. Those was in my Sunday school class. You're learning the books of the Bible. You're probably like the first ones there. because You got it down, right? Luke chapter 7, and look at verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meat. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping, And began to wash his feet with tears, and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence, and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me therefore which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman, and saith unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears You notice that Jesus says in this story here, the one who has been forgiven much is the one who loves much. And I would say that there's probably some here today. In fact, I know there are some here today. I'm one of them. You've plumbed the depths of sin. You've been out in the world. You know what the world does and what the sin of the world is. And you've had it affect your life. And your life was uh, was full of sin. You were trapped in it. You were in bondage to it. Some, Some in bondage to alcohol. Some in bondage to drugs addictions that you can't seem to break some to pornography and all kinds of other vices your life was was a wreck before jesus came and that day that jesus came into your life he set you free and now now as we look and examine your life, we can see that you love the Lord with all of your heart and you love Him because of what He did for you in setting you free. Amen. The Lord found you, saved you out of deep, dark sin, changed your life dramatically and you love Him for it. And that love manifests itself in ways that sometimes are different from those who weren't in such wicked conditions and i would simply say to you you know sometimes sometimes there are people who stand up and say i just want to praise the lord I just want to give God glory for what he's done in my life. And there's a joy inside of them that they don't mind and they don't have any problem testifying and saying, praise God, I love God for what he's done in my life. And sometimes saints of God look and they frown and they get all weird and about it because, because someone's making a scene or a spectacle. Don't frown at a brother or sister who just simply says, I love God with all of my heart and I want you to know it. it. Why? Because God did something radical in their life to set them free from the bondage of their sin and they can't help but just testify and praise the Lord. But then you get the Old, saved, grumpy believers. We've got nothing to praise about. It's <laughs> shame on us, Amen. The Bible says that she stood there weeping, and when Jesus said, "Mary," she turned around and she was like, "Master, is this my Lord?" And I think it's significant. That the Bible tells us it's recorded in Scriptures under the inspiration of the Spirit of God that Jesus showed Himself first to Mary. Why did He do that? He probably honored her because she loved Him so much and she was so devoted to Him. She had a lot to be thankful for. Amen? But so do you and I. And we ought to express it. The Lord appeared to Mary to console her broken heart. It was a ministry of consolation. To console her broken heart. It was a ministry of love and grace on His part to help a saint who was wounded, who was weak, who was was full of heartache. And Jesus ministered to her. And Mary went to tell the other disciples that she had seen the Lord. And the Bible tells us in verses 10 and 11 of our text that they didn't believe her. Verse 10 says, And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. So here they are mourning and weeping over the death of the Lord too. And they said, When they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, they believed not. What a shame. What a sad commentary. Of course, their unbelief didn't change Mary's experience. She had still seen the Lord, and nothing could change that. And I would, number one, make two applications. Number one, it shows us what kind of a Savior we have. Amen. That the day He rose from the grave, He spent time ministering to a heartbroken saint. What a, what a loving Savior we have. But the second application is this. Don't let a bunch of old, satisfied, complacent, dry saints of God steal your joy. Amen? You know what the Lord did for you. You know about His touch in your life his power, his glory, how he has manifested himself in your life. Rejoice in what he has done for you, and don't let the killjoys suck the spiritual life out of you. Amen. Amen. We're all good Baptists here, right? There's nothing wrong with rejoicing and praising the Lord. Now, Just because you're quiet doesn't mean that you don't rejoice and praise the Lord on the inside. I know that. But don't frown on a brother or sister who just lets it out. Amen? The Lord ministered to her to help her with her broken heart. I think that is a wonderful example of the kind of Savior we have. Amen? Secondly, we see a ministry of confirmation. Look at verses 12 and 13. A ministry of confirmation. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country and they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Now in these verses, Mark simply summarizes what Luke actually expounds on. And so I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 24. Again, keep your place here in Luke chapter 24 and in, in Luke gives us more detail of what Mark just simply summarizes. Mark says that he appeared in another form to two as they walked and went into the country. And it's referring to the men on the road to Emmaus. In Luke chapter 24, excuse me, in verse 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. It's roughly seven miles away. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. So, in other words, that they were, they were blinded to who he was on purpose. Okay? And uh, verse, verse 17, And he said unto them, "'What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad?' So here they are still unbelieving. They're they're sad. "'And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, "'Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days?' And he said unto them, "'What things?' And they said unto him, "'Concerning Jesus of Nazareth,' which was a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, the day today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre, And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them, which were with us, went to the sepulcher and found it even so, as the women had said, but they saw him not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew near unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he, saw, as he sat at meat with them, he, and took, or he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them, and their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found the eleven gathered together, and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. So here, back in our text, Mark summarizes all that we just read in Luke, when he says, After that he appeared in another form unto two of them, as they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Now, verse 13 tells us that the disciples didn't believe them either. And the Lord's ministry in these two was one of confirmation. They were talking about signs and wonders and hearsay testimony. They were talking about all that they had remembered and all that they had experienced and everything that happened in the last few days all of these things, and Jesus comes to them and He says, Ought not the Son of Man to have suffered these things as the Scriptures and as the prophets have said? Jesus took them back to the Word of God, and using the Word of God, He confirmed the mission of the Messiah. Do you remember what they said back in Luke uh, chapter 24? Where, when they were talking about Jesus and how they followed him and they thought that it should have been he that should deliver Israel. Did you notice that? Look in verse 25. Luke 24 and verse 25. Then he said unto them, oh, he's, uh, he's going to expound it to them. But as they're talking to him, verse 21 says, but we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. In other words, what they're saying is we believe that he was the Messiah. We believe that he was, was the chosen of God, but in their minds they didn't have it correct what his mission was. His mission wasn't to be a conquering king and relieve them from Roman oppression. Not yet. His mission was to die for the sins of the world. And so here they had all of their hopes and their dreams that He's the one who's going to redeem Israel, and now He's dead. Now He's gone. Were we wrong in this? And then you get over to verse 25, and Jesus says, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets... He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning Himself. Jesus confirmed the mission of the Messiah to them by using the Word of God. And He helped them to understand what this was all about. Any of the people living on that day would have liked to see miracles They would have loved to see the angels. They would have loved to see the empty tomb. They would have loved to see the stone rolled away and the risen Savior walking and talking with them. But did you know that they didn't need any of those things actually to believe? What they really needed to believe that Jesus was going to rise from the dead was simply His word that He already spoke. They should have gone to the tomb that morning with the expectation that he was alive. They should have gone not looking for a dead body, but a living Lord. They should have gone there rejoicing, not weeping. And why? Because Jesus had already told them exactly what would happen. But none of them believed it. And when he rose from the dead, he simply was doing all that he said he would do. Matthew 16, 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Jesus intentionally told them what was going to happen. Matthew chapter 17 and verse 22, and while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, the son of man shall be "...betrayed into the hands of men, they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again." And they were exceeding sorry. Matthew chapter 20, in verse 17, "...and Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples apart." in the way, and said unto them, Behold, we go to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death, and shall deliver him to the Gentiles, to mock and to scourge and to crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. Jesus had already told them over and over and over again. And what a lesson that is for us today, friend. Because some might be waiting on some amazing experience to happen to you before you come to Jesus Christ in repentance and faith. Let me tell you something, you're probably not going to get some miraculous, amazing experience to happen in your life. Jesus Christ has already told you exactly what you need to believe. You need to repent of your sin. You need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, unless you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Jesus said that. The God of all eternity said that what you need to do is understand that you're a sinner before God. You need to repent of your sin, understanding you deserve His judgment and wrath. You need to come in faith to Jesus Christ. And if you don't, you're going to perish. You don't need some miraculous miracle, some sign in the sky. What you need to do is believe Jesus' Word. If I were you, I would heed His Word. I would obey His voice. He's speaking to you. Listen to Him. Come to Him right now as the Father draws. And here's what Jesus says, Matthew 11, 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, Come unto me and I will give you rest. you got anguish in your soul, turmoil in your soul. Maybe you're fighting the Spirit of God even now because you know that you need to be saved, but you don't want to listen because you don't want to give up control of your life. Jesus said, except you repent, you're going to perish. Acts 16.31, and they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Romans 10.9 and 10, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth... The Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. John chapter 8 and verse 24 I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Luke 13, 3, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse or chapter 2 in verse 3 says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? That's the word of the Lord. That is the will of the Lord. And the question is, if you're here today and you're not saved, what are you going to do about it? Jesus came to these two. He took them back into the Word of God. He confirmed in their hearts and their minds the mission of the Messiah. What a blessing to have a Savior like that. Here they are doubting. Here they are uncertain. And here's Jesus. After He rises from the dead, He's ministering to those that He's going to commission and give a job to do, to build faith in their heart. You and I have the Word of God. Amen? Amen. We have no reason to not believe. Thirdly, and lastly, I want you to notice in our text back in Mark, a ministry of confrontation. So here we see Jesus has appeared to Mary. He comforts her heart. He appears to the two men on the road to Emmaus. He confirms in them that his work is being accomplished. Helps them understand the ministry of the Messiah. And then the last thing is a ministry of confrontation. And look at verse 14. afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen Him after He was risen. So later that same evening, the Bible tells us Jesus appears to His disciples as they were eating their evening meal. In Luke chapter 24, where we've already been, in verse 36, the Bible says this, And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bone. As ye see me have. And when they had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he saith unto them, Have ye here any meat? Now I want you to skip down to verse 44. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets. And in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he's going to go on to give them their marching orders and their jobs to do. But the Bible tells us in Luke 24 and verse 36 that Jesus simply appeared in their midst as they were receiving the report of his resurrection appearance from these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And if we were to go over to John chapter 20 and verse 19, it tells us that the disciples were locked up in this upper room. And the reason that they were locked there was because they were afraid of the Jews. They were afraid that what had happened to Jesus might happen to them. But apparently, Jesus was able to just pass through the walls into the room where they were, And he simply materializes in their presence. Now go over to John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, and look at verse 20. The Bible says And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad. When they saw the Lord, the Bible tells us he showed unto them his hands and his side. And when Jesus did this, the disciples collectively were glad when they saw the Lord. Now, if you go back to our text in Mark, Mark tells us that Jesus upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. The word upbraided there in our text is a very strong word. And the word means that he took them to task. He wasn't gentle with them. He took them to task over their refusal to believe the reports of those who had seen him alive. Now, understand this. Jesus had already told them many times what was going to happen, right? Jesus was crucified, just like he had said. He was buried, just like he had said. Now it's the third day, and he's risen from the grave. Others have seen that the Lord is not there, and they've told that he's alive. Others have seen him personally. We saw him, and the disciples still did not believe. You following this? It's not like they didn't have information. It's not like they didn't have eyewitness reports. They didn't believe because they refused to believe. Why was this so important? Jesus wanted these men to accept the message of the resurrection and accept it by faith, to believe it by faith. It wasn't until he showed himself, his that then they were glad. They refused to believe his word. Even when He told them He would rise from the dead, they refused to believe the eyewitness testimony of people that had seen the risen Lord. They refused to believe the evidence that they had seen with their own eyes. If they had all of this evidence and still refused to believe, how could they expect people, other people, to believe them when they preached about the resurrection? You understand what I'm saying here? The Lord was about to give them a job. They were not believing themselves. How then could they possibly preach concerning the risen Lord? And let me just say this to you we are 2,000 years removed from the events of that day. We can't go back and see the tomb, we can't go back and see the grave clothes. We can't go and talk to Peter or Mary Magdalene and ask them about all that they saw. We can't talk to the, ro- the men who are on the road to Emmaus. We can't do any of those things. You and I have to accept the message by faith. We must believe that Jesus died and rose again from the dead just like the Word of God says. That's hard for some people. I can't see the tomb, I can't see the grave closed, I can't see the risen Savior with mine own eyes. But you know what? I do see evidence of that all around me. Do you know how I see evidence all around me? I see it in the very lives of people that the power of His resurrection has completely changed. I see it in my own life, where I was before I came to know Jesus Christ. I'm not the same person anymore. I'm a brand new person. I see it in people like like Daniel, and I see it in people like Seth, whose lives were full of sin like mine was, and how the Lord came in and changed their life, and they're different people. You see the power of the resurrection in people's changed lives. Amen! That doesn't happen because somebody decides I'm going to turn over a new leaf and I'm just going to make my life brand new. It's a supernatural power that completely changes a life. And the old guy is dead and gone. Amen. And a new person in Jesus Christ stands before you. What I'm saying is you believe that message by faith. And the same power can change your life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Your life completely changes. There's a lot of people who say, Oh, I'm a Christian. Oh, I believe. But their life has never been transformed. Their life has never changed. They're still the same as they always were. They just got a little bit of religion in their life and they feel good about themselves because they might go to church every now and then. But there's no real conversion. There's no power of resurrection that has changed and transformed their life and made all things new. If you believe that message you believed it by faith, you repented of your sin, then you know all about a changed life. You know what you were. You know what God's made you today. And I'm saying, I've got the evidence right before me. I've got the evidence right before me. I see all of these lives that have been completely transformed. It can help you believe it's real and that it's true amen I don't need to go to Jerusalem I don't need to go look in what they say is the garden tomb I don't need to do that to know that Jesus is alive I don't have to look any further than people in this room whose lives have been completely changed I don't have to look any further than what I know lives inside of my own heart. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He's living, no matter what any man may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's near. Why? Because He lives inside of my heart. Amen. I'm going to close up with this thought. You might be here today and you might be lost. Friend, I challenge you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ today. Don't live another day in your lost condition. Come to Jesus Christ. Come to Him And be saved by his power, by his grace. And if he's calling you, if he's working in your heart, you need to come to him. You need to come now and don't delay. Don't refuse to believe. Like so many others, the greatest ministry of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is that it changes forever every life that has embraced its truth. That's the greatest ministry of the resurrection. You can know him and the power of his resurrection or you can remain as you were. But Jesus said, except ye repent, you'll all likewise perish. If you've never been saved, come to him today. You need to come to Jesus Christ. You need to stop delaying Stop waiting. Stop putting off what you know you need. Stop presuming that you have more time. Now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. And we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We don't have guarantee of another day of life. Life can be over in an instant. What you need is to know that your soul is settled with God, that you have peace with God. Your soul is the most important thing you have. And what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? Your soul is what goes out into eternity, friend. It needs to be right with God. So, as we close, if the Spirit of God is speaking, you get up out of your seat Respond to the Lord as He draws. If you're here today and you've been saved, the challenge for you and for me is to live like it. Live like we've been saved. It means live in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. It means being faithful to the Lord. It means being devoted to the Lord. you remember Mary? She was there weeping. She was the first one to see the Lord, and I really believe it's because the Lord honored her because she loved Him much. Her life was completely devoted to Him. How many Christian people say they love God, but you can't really tell in their life because they don't seem to be very devoted to Him. The challenge for you and for me is to live like we're saved. To be faithful. to Live for the Lord. To thank Him. To praise Him for what He's done in your life. Maybe there's some Issues that need to be resolved, and your life needs to get back on track. If that's you this morning, you deal with the heart issue as God speaks to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word and ask that You'd work in our hearts. According to Your will, we pray for those who need to be saved. May they respond. May they come today. And Lord, I pray that the saint of God would be moved in their own heart. Again, to love You more, to be devoted to You, to live for You. Challenge us with these, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.